Hi everyone and welcome to The Herd. I'm your host Tamika Spalding and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. Our story is important and this podcast is dedicated to sharing inspiring stories like yours and mine to uplift and encourage as we grow in faith together. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to our very first episode of the His Herd podcast. Uh, I'm Tamika and I live in Tasmania, the northwest of Tasmania where it's at the moment very nice and green and uh, yeah I've got uh, a wonderful husband, uh, Luke is his name and then we've got our four children. So I have a, a 15 year old, his name's Jai and he does. he's going to be doing uh, a lot of work with drones and um, videoing footage for us so if you want to check out our Facebook site or our Instagram site you can um, keep up to date with some of the things that he's doing. I've got Kayla who's 13 and she's uh, also working on some podcasting and uh, writing so yeah you can keep up with what she's doing with with our ministry and I've got my youngest too who um, yeah yeah uh, about to start school for next year, I've got one in school, Samia, who's seven, and then I've got a four-year-old, Eltani. And this podcast is all about sharing stories. You know, our story is important, and I love to hear stories, real stories, and I hope that in this podcast we can, you know, get real with each other and be able to help each other, um, inspire each other, motivate each other, and, and grow in faith. And today I've got um, a wonderful guy that I've only met this morning, actually, and uh, he's from Voice of the Martyrs. His name's Marcel, and so welcome, Marcel. Thank you. Thank you, Tamika. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm excited to hear more about his story, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and his family. Yeah. So, um, my name is Marcel, and and um, as you can probably tell, I'm, I'm not Australian. My surname is Anuika. And when I first came to Australia, people said, oh, it's like you, you would say a new car, like a new car. Um, it was like probably that's that's one way of, of putting it. But um, yeah, I, I was um, I grew up in Romania my entire life, born and raised there. Um, about five years ago, I moved here to Australia um, because I married my beautiful wife, Ruth. Uh, we have two children now. Um, Caleb and, and Charlotte and um, it's interesting because um, she was born and raised here in Australia but she was born into a Romanian family mm. um, and interestingly enough uh, her parents and my parents grew up in the same church and uh, when um, when my parents heard uh, about her surname and her parents heard about my, about my surname they immediately recognized the surname because they're like, oh, we know those guys. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a good reference. So they were both excited for having heard uh, that uh, surname, which was a good uh, good thing, good uh, um, thing going into this relationship. And um, also, even our grandparents grew up in the same town, and our great grandparents were deployed together in the Second World War. So our kind of families go a long way back. Uh, and one of my concerns, especially early on, before we, you know. Uh, we got very serious about that. Um, it was, uh, I hope we're not related. <laughs> I love that. Um, Isn't it a good thing that you're not? Yes, I did the research. It's all good. We're, we're not um, beautiful uh, two, two kids. Um, but yes, I, I moved here um, because, of, because of this. Uh, before that, I lived uh, in America for a year. Wow. Um, Where in America? Uh, San Francisco. Okay. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area. I was the youth pastor at a Romanian church there. Wow. Um, so uh, fresh off the uh, seminary, um, you know, I 
after I graduated from the seminary, um, I I got in touch with a pastor from from that church, and and they wanted me to to be there. I stayed there for a year. Then I had to move back to to Romania, and I, I moved here. Uh, so it's it's a fa- interesting story, uh, at least in, 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 from my perspective. Um, but I, I got here, um, and for for about a year now, I'm, I'm working as the voice of the Martyrs representative for the state of Victoria and Tasmania. So I'm in Tasmania here for for a few days. Uh, we love it. It's incredible. I told my wife uh, we're probably gonna retire here. Um, I told uh, Pastor David this morning and I said, look, Tasmania, I think the new heaven and the new earth is going to look a little bit like Tasmania. <laughs> it's, it's just incredible. I've been here a couple of on a couple of occasions before this time and, and I was I was mind blown that, that time and I thought I was going to get used to, to it. Uh, I still can't have enough of it. It's, it's just incredible. And you've came, come at the right time too. We've had rain, sun, rain, sun. So everything's luscious and green and the yeah. land, you know, we've got, there's lots of lambs around and calves around. So this is the, the good time to come and check out. Exactly. Tasmania. We loved it. We, we love it here. Uh, so tell me a little bit about um, the Voice of the Martyrs. How long have they been around and what do they do? Yeah, so so the story of Voice of the Martyrs was was literally born out of persecution. So Voice of the Martyrs, as a as a mission statement, we um, we have um, this this kind of a phrase, which is serving persecuted Christians with the the most practical and the most spiritual. Um, possible ways or, or assistance and leading Christians into the free world, into fellowship um, um, with persecuted believers. So, so we have this focus on the persecuted church and helping them with, with whatever we can, you know, practical and spiritual. This is uh, all throughout the Bible. You, you see those those elements there. And also um, raising awareness. Yes, that's, that's one way of putting it. But also uh, just facilitating this fellowship between um, persecuted believers and, and people here in the West that live in, in the free world, um, especially especially because in, in Hebrews 13, 3, yeah. um, is, uh, is we're commanded to, to do that. So Hebrews 13, 3 is, is a very interesting passage uh, because I read that passage many times uh, before and never once it, uh, it occurred to me that that has to do with me and how I relate to the persecuted church and, and to the uh, Christians that are living in, in those areas. Um, but for Richard Wombrand, um, and, and I'll share a little bit uh, about that story, maybe if yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so he was um, a, a Romanian of, of all people. So I literally grew up hearing about that name. I was always familiar. Um, I don't even remember the first time I heard it because he was always... Um, so Richard Wombrand was, was pretty much some sort of a Billy Graham of Romania. Right. Uh, because he was... And, and whoever reads that story, I would encourage them to, to read Torture for Christ, the book, uh, or watch the movie Torture for Christ. It's, it's really inspiring. Um, and he suffered under the communist regime because he was a pastor for 14 years in prison. So he's in prison. He was tor- uh, he was tortured. He he was um, um, a lot of times um, uh, beat, um, kicked, um, cut, um, um, all, all sorts of the, of the most horrible uh, ways. Uh, and basically, the the communists tried to to break him and to um, get to 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 the names and to the the um, church and to the activities that they were having there. Um, and he, for some reason, he couldn't be, you know, broken in in a sense uh, because God God kept him. And it's it's a fascinating story. Uh, but out of that story, uh, Richard Wurmbrand, um looked at this verse in Hebrews thirteen three, and he said, "That's it. That's that's why we need to exist." Uh, because in Hebrews thirteen three it says, 
Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. Um, and he looked at that as one who has experienced himself beatings and, and torture and um, being uh, in solitary confinement. And we all know now after mm-hmm. two years of, of COVID how difficult being um, you know, being at home by yourself, um, what it's like and what sort of pressures it, it can put on your heart, mind, emotions, and so on. And um, he he looked at it as like, yes, that's that's it. Um, and and if if you look at it, it's it's really a commandment. Uh, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. And and I like the fact that uh, possibly Paul. There's a debate, you know, as mm-hmm. to who wrote Hebrews, uh, but possibly Paul said uh, it's not enough to say. To Christians, remember the prisoners, and he added, as if chained with them. Well, I think most people haven't been chained. Most people haven't been handcuffed, haven't been imprisoned, and it's really hard for us to to even do that because there's no experience to refer to, right? And we we just have to imagine what it's like. and And the Bible is calling us try the best you can to Im, um, imagine yourself that you're there in the cell with them. And I always encourage people to. Um, to whenever they experience cold or hunger, to let that experience uh, help them remember. Because we're cold and we're hungry because we, you know, we don't have our jacket. Or it's just, you know, the weather here, yeah. Ryan. Uh, same in Melbourne. Um, and, um, w- but there are people who experience the same feeling because of they're Christian and no other other reason. Uh, and that is a good way of us remembering ring them as we're chained, uh, as if we're chained with them. Uh, and also those who are mistreated since you yourselves are um, in the in the body. Um, and that's the biblical foundation. This is our mission um, here in Australia is to help Christians, yeah. um, you know, present with this this reality and help them fulfill this command. And man, the, the kind of stuff that comes out of that, the, the kind of perspective you get, the kind of... Um, you know, joy you get, um, the kind of closeness uh, that you get um, with God um, out of doing that and praying for that, it's it's simply um, incredible. So we've been, as an Australian um, ministry, um, you know, Australian-owned, Australian-governed uh, um, ministry for 53 years in Australia, long before I was I was born. <laughs> um, and to this day, we, we still have one of the founding members, uh, Merv Knight. He's 92 oh. or 93 um, I don't know. I have to find out what what he's eating or, or drinking. What's the secret to to that longevity? He obviously had a strong conviction for this, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because when when uh, Richard Wurmbrand first came to to Sydney, uh, they all heard this story because mm-hmm. at that time um, the West was pretty much in um, unaware uh, mm-hmm. about what was happening because there was a lot of propaganda on of everything. There are f- religious freedoms in Romania and so on. Um, and they were all shocked, like that's happening in Romania. And he's like, "Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll show you the scars that I have on uh, on my body." And instinctively, as Christians, they're like, "What can we do?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's only normal and right to be like, "Okay, that's the reality. What can we do?" And Richard said, "Let's found a Voice of the Martyrs Australia because Voice of the Martyrs America was already uh, founded two years." Uh, prior in 1967 so in 1969 um merv knight was was like what can we do richard and he said let's let's found this and and they founded voice of the martyrs in 1969 wow i love that Uh, actually it was just last night i was reading a verse in ephesians that um talks about it it says to be kind and compassionate yeah um you know like jesus is kind and compassionate to us and um that really speaks to me because 
when you really look, break down this word compassion, um, it's it's a doing word. You know, it's more than empathy. Empathy is something where I can relate to you. I can walk in your shoes and 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 think about how I would relate to the problem that you're experiencing. Whereas compassion goes that extra step. It's not just I will empathise with you, but I will. Um, I will suffer with you together. And so I like it that um, the voice of the martyrs isn't just being empathetic, it's being proactive, it's actually getting 100% involved and it's being like that um, in Hebrews 3, where you were talking about, you know, we can sit with the prisoners and not all of us are sitting with prisoners, but we're doing the part that we can play proactively and exactly you're doing just such a great job with that awesome yeah so, so that's that's exactly what you see throughout the bible this is what jesus called us into um yeah absolutely be informed and and be aware of the reality but don't do nothing with it exactly. right and it's it's such an important um, step in a, in an age where um information is everything and and there's so much um emphasis on information which is good and true and, and right, uh, but we have to do something with it. Exactly. And you were um, talking this morning about how COVID affected um, the persecuted church. Do you want to yeah, share a little bit about how how that you know what played out yeah yeah so um look wh- when you look at the at the numbers on on christian persecution is really um it's it, it blew my mind because i was i will i was always aware of christian persecution i again grew up hearing about voice of the martyrs and richard Wurmbrand, and i always knew that there is a reality but really up until i took this role of being the the rep for uh, victoria and tasmania i wasn't aware uh, of the extent of, of christian persecution um, and I'll just share a, a few numbers here. So, 360 million Christians live in areas of high persecution. That is that is massive. Yeah. Um, and and like I don't think we can actually comprehend that that number. So, if you break it down per day, uh, just last year, these are stats for for last year. 16 Christians uh, will have died for their faith in one day, compared to 13 Christians just the previous year. Um, in 2020, seven Christians, uh, 17 sorry, Christians will be unjustly arrested, detained, or imprisoned, compared to 12 just the previous year. That is all. Uh, those are all numbers per one day, and 10 Christians will be kidnapped uh, in one day for their faith compared to five so that number has doubled in just one one year which is crazy and and christian persecution is not a thing of the past uh just try to think um and and i would i would encourage people to to listen to this podcast just think about the the reality that just in the last hundred years just in the last hundred years more christians have been persecuted and martyred for their faith than the previous 1900 years combined so generally, when I used to think about persecution, I, I thought that oh, the the bulk of it happened, you know, under the Roman Roman Empire and the Roman rule. Uh, but n- no, nah, that's that's so small compared to what is happening uh, today. Uh, especially, so uh, we we see this upward trajectory of Christian persecution, and um, I don't think it's gonna, you know, uh, smooth out or, or um, die out, but it's it's only gonna increase. And we've seen this for for sixteen consecutive years happening um, through all the studies and all the data that, that we collected and it, it's interesting is through, throughout COVID um, everyone had it tough right it, it was all sorts of, of things that um, happened um, and different ways that 
that affected each one of us. Uh, but for the persecuted church, especially, it was really, really difficult because um, the way it played out here, it was that um, everyone, everyone pretty much had a, a sense of fear anger, despair, what's going to happen, I don't know what tomorrow brings, and so on. And uh, there was a lot of a lot of anger. And the way that that played out in the West, it was um, um, domestic violence mm-hmm. um, and all sorts uh, of alcohol abuse, uh, all sorts of drug abuse. Um, the suicide rate was, was through through the roof uh, and it was, it was really difficult. In those spaces, um, they took it out on the Christians pretty much. Uh, because the the mentality is like we don't even want you to exist in our society. We we don't want you here. Um, and they they persecuted them before, and all the more now when you have all this anger, rage, fear that is is uh, you know uh, in in everyone that that was was there, right? And uh, they had it really really difficult. And specifically, uh, it comes to mind a story, uh, the story of Din. She's from uh, Vietnam, um, and she she's about. 40, uh, 41 years old, and she she's a believer. She's okay. a Christian, and in Vietnam, um, as as well as so many other countries, uh, there were these uh, governmental programs to help and aid the, the citizens. Uh, what happened in her case, and in many cases, many cases throughout COVID, um, is that they came to her door. Um, door and and the local authorities came there and they said look we, we know you don't have food you don't have help and you need it uh, we're here, here to help and um, we'll give you as as much food as you need for for yourself uh, if you sign this paper mm. she takes the paper she looks at the paper and she says i can't sign this paper because basically the paper said you have to uh, come back to to your previous um, faith and you have to give up Christianity and she said I'm a Christian I, I cannot um, turn um, my back to to Christ and 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 they said look you, you're gonna die and you're gonna starve out uh, basically and and she basically said I'm better off without food and with Jesus than without Jesus and with with food mm. um, and food is you know is one of those the most basic necessities and and um, I was so inspired by her faith uh, that when when push come to shove, like she was all in on Jesus, and she said, "No, I'm I'm not giving up Jesus, even if that means that I have to die by, by star- starvation." They were so angry with her at that point uh, that one of them took a a pot of boiling hot water. Um, it was somewhere there on, on the stove, and sh- they just poured it all over her her legs. Uh, the skin peeled right off. Uh, she was rushed to the hospital. She was given first aid. Um, and the doctors basically said, look, this is what we uh, were able to do. More needs to be done. Here's the bill. And she's like, I, I don't have I don't have money to pay uh, this. And, and she was part of a, a network that um, works with us and, and her pastor um, showed her or told us about the story. And um, it, it's not even like Voice of the Martyrs paid for that. It was literally... Um, Australian Christians who support Voice of the Martyrs um, by partnering financially has literally paid for for her bills, um, and she she sent uh, us a message and said thank you so much for for helping me uh, when when I needed the most and and that's one of the ways that we remember them we pray for them mm-hmm. we help them with the the most practical and, and spiritual ways that uh, we can find so during COVID it was they had it really really tough mm-hmm. and we. <laughs> We, we take it um, for granted because we are here in the Western world and we don't, uh, we're, we're, we're oblivious to it or we just don't think about it. Um, and 
you know, we, we worry about things that are so much more superficial at times. You know, they this lady was willing to go without food and, um, you know, we worry about things like, is our, is our house tidy enough or <laughs> is our, you know, these superficial things that at the end of what the day... What other people are going to say. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And, yes, can you tell me, uh, where are the places that the persecuted church exists? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, So so it's... Some people might know it um, as the 1040 window. Mm-hmm. Um, is is basically in in a lot of um, Muslim Muslim uh, countries, uh, Christian persecution happens. Um, places like like China, North Africa, um, Algeria, um, uh, Nigeria, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, um, in India. Um, it's it's basically the the 1040 uh, window. We are present uh, with our um, you know international network of Voice of the Martyrs offices in in some 68, 70 countries, wow. uh, which is which is significant. Like if um, I don't know, there's 200 countries in the world or, or something <laughs> like that, and you have more than a quarter of, of those ones where Christian persecution happens. Uh, that is that is significant. Yeah. So what's the most common type of, you know, uh, not so much the persecution, but what, what, do the, what are they doing wrong or what, are the, what do they get found for doing that's, that gets them into trouble? Um, the, yeah. Like I know this morning you talked a little bit about just owning a Bible is, is a no-no. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's really behind it all. It's a spiritual war. war. It's a spiritual battle. It's exactly what Jesus said. It's going to be. Um, it's uh, and we're we're not fighting flesh and blood. It's clear. Paul Paul said that in in Ephesians. But we're we're battling um, a, a, in a spiritual war. Um, and and it's it's all a spiritual war behind it. Uh, we're not even. Uh, we have so much compassion for for even and we. Uh, I mean, the persecuted church when they engage with their persecutors. Um, a lot of them understand. Hey, this person that is beating me and this pe- person that is dragging me to into prison—they're not my enemy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, um, they—it's um, interesting um, when when they ask us when we ask them, "Hey, like, what can we do for you?" Right? It's always number one prayer and number two a Bible, and we'll get to the Bibles. Um, and when we ask them, like, "What should we pray for you?" They're like, "We're like, should we pray that persecution ends?" Like nah, like where'd you come up with that idea? And we're mind blown that they don't even uh, ask for us that the persecution stops, but rather that they would have the the strength, the the courage to testify even to to their torturers. And that comes out of an understanding that the person who's beating me, my persecutor, is not my enemy, mm. but I'm in a spiritual battle in in which he is a prisoner of the devil because he the, the devil is animating uh, all these people who literally have given themselves over um, to to uh, carry out the, the mission that the devil has to attack and and persecute the church. Um, and they realize no, we we need to testify the gospel and, and preach and tell them the gospel, the good news that they can have forgiveness uh, of, of sins even for for those um, things that they, they do. So uh, it's because of that, and it plays out in all sorts of uh, different ways. One of them is the Bible. Uh, so so the Bible is is really hated in the world, I, and I think as Westerners we don't comprehend how significant that that is it's it's absolutely hated just think about the fact that 52 countries and territories banned the bible they're like as at a governmental level they're like we don't want it here we we absolutely despise hate we're against that book 
Um, and the way I look at it is that they are afraid. Yes. They're afraid of, uh, um, of it because they know the power that it has. Uh, they know the effects that that has on 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 people. And and as a result, uh, like for for example, in in North Korea, like you will go to prison. You will go not to a prison because I've been to one of these prisons with prison fellowship in in Australia. Um, it's 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 a nice prison <laughs> if you can put it that way. Yeah. Uh, it's. Um, but it's it's a labor camp where they give you the maximal amount of uh, work with the minimal amount of food uh, to ensure this protracted death. So so it's a death sentence basically. And if you're caught with the Bible, you go there like no questions asked. Um, not only that, but your whole family can go there because they're supposed. Uh, they think that they would have known something. They would have seen the Bible, or they would have um, seen you use it or, or read it, uh, and they didn't report on you. Um, not only that, even your neighbors can go to, to jail uh, or to, to that pre, uh, labor camp, rather. Because, again, the, the same is, is considered of them. They, uh, who knows you best other than your family and your neighbors? Uh, and because they fail to report you, um, they, they will go, which is, which is crazy. Um, and and that's, that's how, how much they, they hate it. They, uh, they burn them. They try to destroy it. They're, they're literally threatened by by the the power of the this uh, this book um and it's it's fascinating to me because it's it's exactly what jesus said is it's gonna happen they they're gonna hate it they're they're gonna hate the bible they're gonna hate christians and and it's 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 just the bible coming coming um fulfilling its its prophecies basically or predictions on on what's uh, what's happening yeah i just uh you know, networking and connecting with each other here in Australia is so important, and I really do, um, you know, empathise that, that trusting one another, trusting your neighbour, trusting your your family. Um, you know, it's such a risk to be able to share with them anything. Yeah. Um, and or you know, your children, um, and because of the risk. Yeah. And I, I also was really aware that we take the Bible for granted. Um, yeah. You know, I, I went into Kurong recently and to, to purchase a Bible for my youngest child. And the choices, the size, oh, you can have a huge one that's really heavy and thick, or you yeah. can have a really light one that's just minimal pages, and you can have a children's one and a good news one and a, this translation and that translation and a teen one with a cool front. And, <laughs> you know, and we go in there and, and pick what Bible do you want? Yeah. And and the other thing is, you know, we, we come together in one shop with all denominations yeah. and we can freely do that and have a coffee at the same time or have a, you know, a hot chocolate. And, and over there, it's, it, you know, they're not looking at what colour the cover is. Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, look, when I first heard of, of this, I was, I was mind blown because it was such a foreign concept. It was a non-existent concept. Um, there are handwritten Bibles. Because at one point, someone had a Bible, a printed Bible, and they said, look, if if what it takes for us to have two copies of the Bible, we'll hand copy it. Yeah. And they're handwritten Bibles. And another thing that they do in, in some of those places is it's it's almost sacrilegious to us. They break the binding, they, they rip it out, and they share you know, the, the Bible, like the book of Matthew to a family and the book of John to another and Colossians to another. And, and they read it throughout the week and then Sunday they swap and, and that's how they go through the Bible, right? Because that's that's the only possible that's way. option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a tremendous blessing to have this many Bibles. Definitely. and And the fact that we apparently read it so um, seldomly, 
um, it's it's only it, it speaks about us rather than the power of the Bible because in those spaces they they appreciate um, the value of the Bible um, much more than than we do. Yeah, and I like it too as well that um, for us memorizing scripture can be a chore and mm. it's not. It's not necessarily common practice for us in the Western world because we always have a Bible or yeah. we have Google or we have a place to look it up. Yeah. Um, whereas over there, if they're not memorizing it and holding it tight to their heart and in their mind, exactly, you know, um, they could lose a Bible and there isn't any reference. And so the the need to memorize is so much greater. And um, you know, at least you know if if I'm praying for Voice of the Martyrs and and the things that they're doing, the other thing that actively that I would I'd like to do is, you know, just take more time to memorize the Bible. Yes. Um, you know, that's something that I can do that, that yeah, that I have the opportunity to do. And I'm so lucky to be able to do and that. And no one can take that away. Yes. Yeah, because a lot of times I've heard stories where people, um, when they're imprisoned, obviously you'd, you'd not given access to a Bible. Um, they, they literally fed themselves spiritually off of the memorized portions of scriptures that they had if they had it mm. um and and that, that was something that um the holy spirit and god has used to to keep them safe right uh and and obviously we, we don't have this perspective that one day we will be in jail without without a bible and needing spiritual f- food to to consume um and and hopefully none's gonna end up there yes. uh but uh, in those places no like i can anytime um, go to jail for for my faith, and I need that that as a backup. Mm. So, how does persecution fit into the narrative of the Bible? Yeah, uh, that's an awesome question. Um, look, it was interesting. It was just recently, um, and probably as a uh, result of being in, involved with Voice of the Martyrs, that I looked again through through the Scripture, and and I, I looked at it through through different eyes, right? With this reality fresh in my mind, with. Yeah. Stories from it Nigeria. Gives a perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and stories from from China, from all these places. And I'm like, that's exactly what the Bible said is going to happen. That's that's almost normative. That's almost expected that the church of um, the the church of Christ is is going to go through. And not only that, but if you look throughout history, I mean, our whole church history is is filled with these lengthy periods of times where where the church has been under pressure, where the church has suffered uh, greatly, uh, just because, you know, they proclaim that Jesus is king and Jesus is, is Lord. So both the Bible and the history of uh, the church history shows that um, more often than not, the, the experience of a Christian was that they sacrifice something for being a christian mm. right and and that is that is absolutely true so it's it's ultra jesus in the um sermon on the mount uh, he says blessed are those who um suffer for my name's sake um you know consider uh, a joy to to suffer when in in acts when when the apostles were were uh beaten uh because they they preached christ uh they considered it an honor uh, just to identify themselves in in that way with their savior, the savior uh, Jesus was uh, beaten and uh, was um, suffered, and they suffered in the same way. I, they're like we're honored, mm-hmm. you know, to identify ourselves. And and throughout um, history, you see um, these these people doing exactly the same. Uh, we're honored to do that, uh, and I think it's a, it's a very foreign concept to us. Um, and oftentimes, I remember reading through those passages in the Bible and. I kind of like skipped through and moved on to the next verse because 
that doesn't apply to me. Like, I have, you know, I have my kids, they need to eat. My life is so, so different. My experience is so different than what I read in the Bible when, when it says, um, blessed are those who are persecuted and reviled for, for their faith. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not. And it's, it's easy to put it out of your mind. And what I think we, we experience is, is just an exception to the rule. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for this exception that we don't have to suffer or, or die for our faith or, or pay significant um, uh, significant prices or, mm. or you know lose members of your family and, and so on uh, but I must I must be true to the Bible and to to the reality of church history that it's it's an exception mm. and if that ever comes um, our way, uh, it's not going to be, it shouldn't be a surprise for the church, for for a believer who reads the Bible, who is aware of what's happening globally at, right now, who is aware about the, the history of the church and so on. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a surprise because it's always, it's always in the Bible. Jesus speaks about it. Paul speaks about it. It's, it's in, um, it's in, um, revelation uh, so it's it's all over the place um and it's it's normative and it's one way that um even god is is building his his church actually yeah that's that's great um how can we be involved yeah so so look um i think I think that number one is 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 the Bible to to me. Um, like I mean, the Bible trumps everything and is is clear what the Bible is is telling us in um, in Hebrews thirteen three, um, and and that's why um, I think Richard Wurmbrand looked at that and said, "Yep, yeah, that's that's what we have to be about." Um, and it's it's a commandment for uh, for the free church um, because it doesn't say remember the the Christians who are not in chains, yeah. <laughs> uh, those of you who are in chains. Uh, it says, um, remember those who are in chains, um, as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body. Um, and is uh, like, it's a command for all Christians. Um, let's say Australia, the West uh, in general, it's a command for, for all of us. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because in the Bible, it, it, there's only a handful of things that the Bible says, remember them. Remember them. So remember uh, the Sabbath. Remember my um, um, shed blood and, and broken body. Uh, Paul says at one point, "Remember my my chains." Uh, to to Timothy, I think my wrong on that one. Um, and and here we see, "Remember the prisoners." So so remember is a commandment given to um, to us for something that is first important, um, and secondly is something that we're prone to forget yes, and exactly. we are we're likely to forget we're absolutely pr- prone to forget and and i like i didn't actually fulfill this commandment i didn't leave it out uh, because i i didn't know literally i didn't know a name or a story uh, to even remember so if i didn't know obviously i didn't feel compelled to remember uh, them because i didn't know anyone to to remember and that's that's one of my challenges for for the listeners uh to ask yourself do, do you even know someone by name or by story to to even remember um and that will that will help you um remember the prisoners as if chained with them and if you don't have something outside of you to to remind you of, of this reality i would encourage uh, the listeners to to go on www.vom.com.au there's a subscribe button there. Uh, you can subscribe to our monthly magazine. It's a physical magazine that we send, that we print and send out to, to your mail. 
Um, it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, we we send it all throughout uh, Australia, and it's it's literally the stories of persecuted believers. Um, you know, not that happened a hundred years ago, or fifty years ago, or twenty years ago. It's what's happening right now in those places where we are present, where we do a lot of work, a very dangerous work, uh, by the way, um, and. That, that will be something that uh, on a monthly basis you'll get, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, information and, and stories um, to um, when it comes to Christian persecution and what that looks like in, in those, those spaces. Uh, the second thing that you can get involved, and I think we should uh, get involved, is, is to pray for them. And that's why I think it's so important to, to have that magazine to to read and to you know draw courage a lot of the times and inspiration and um and you, you're mentioning earlier like we have all these challenges that we have faced and they are true right they're yes, they're, they're, they're valid they're, they're yeah. real to us but when you look at that you at least have a spectrum and you can rightly place your challenges and and what it's challenging to to you and uh because like there are heartbreaking stories um everywhere and we all have been through those ones and they're rule no one has the right to um, you know, dismiss them. Uh, but when you see when you see what they're going through and how God is carrying them through and how God is providing and how God is guiding uh, and how the church comes together, you're like, wow, it's it's really incredible. And and you you get a sense of God's in control, right? Not only with them but with me as well. And and it helps you place place that um, those challenges um, rightly. Um, and and obviously pray, and that's what unlocked it for me. Really, like I I didn't used to pray for for the persecuted church because I didn't know uh, a name or a story. Right, I, I wasn't. It's uh, not that. It's not personalized, is it? Exactly. Yeah, it's not in our reality, our day to day life. Absolutely, and that's why I mentioned earlier. If you don't have something outside of you to um, remind you of, of that, uh, it's it's it impossible. Yeah. yeah, it's impossible to to remember because we have so many things and rightly you know we have to yeah. take care of a, a thousand things um and, but but what it unlocked it for me was prayer look if you 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 were to speak to me 11 months ago i wasn't the same guy I, i'm telling you i, I was a, a different person and i was all in on the church i actually told my wife hey if if you marry me like our life will always be around the church <laughs> right so uh, it and it, it's it's true to, to this day uh but prayer really unlocked it for for me um and if you if you have a friend or if you know someone that um, they um, obviously need to fulfill this commandment, like share with with someone else. Um, and finally, I'll I'll just say help practically, help uh, practically if you can, if you have the means. Um, again, you you can do that on on online. Um, we're uh, uh, a registered charity in, in Australia. We have tax deductibility that helps a lot of a lot of people. And and uh, when it comes to to Bibles, for example, for eight dollars you can put the Bible in the hands of a, a believer uh, that needs a Bible, that wants a Bible, that doesn't have uh, a Bible. We have a, a, um, a campaign to raise funds for 150,000 Bibles uh, this year. Um, it's, it's um, I, I don't know what point we, we reached, but uh, for $8, we can, we can do that for our brothers and sisters. And it's something that uh, brings a lot, a lot of um, meaning uh, to their life. And, and you can impact someone's life uh, by just donating for a Bible. And 100% of the funds go, go to, that, to that project. That's, that's great. And I know um, earlier you were saying that people will ask you, are you on the front line? And um, I, like, I liked your response that, that you said you're on the supply line and how many supply 
suppliers we need to frontliners. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, Merv Knight gave us this, this little um, kind of... Um, frame to, to, to consider ourselves. So uh, he asked us, like, are you on the front lines? And on the front lines, they're, they're the people who risk their life. And this is an interesting thing they told us. And that's why we're so passionate about uh, supporting them and getting people to partner with us to, to um, support them. Uh, they said, give us the tools we need. We will pay the price for using them. So you will go to, to a labor camp for the rest of your life for owning a Bible. And there are people who say, give me that Bible, give me that Bible and I'll take it further and I'll pay the risk for, for using them. And if I were, I'm to go to jail, I'll go to jail happily. That blew my mind. The level of commitment is, is. and he said, are you in the front line? Like, no, we're not in the front line. Those guys who do the, the hard work are on the front line. Uh, but we we think that we're in the supply line. And he said, are you in the supply line? I was like, yeah, we're, I think we, and we look at ourselves as in this, being in the su- supply line. Um, and for every, I've heard in an in a actual war, for every one soldier on the front line, you need seven soldiers in the supply line to keep him on the, on the front line, right? Uh, and there's obviously, there's the sideline. And don't be, that's, that's my, my two cents. Don't be on the <laughs> sidelines. Side yeah, don't, don't be that guy. Um, just, you know, seeing everything that happens, seeing the guy who take the risk, seeing the guys who provide for, for him to, to be able to uh, be in that, in that spot and do the work uh, and just uh, talk about it or debate whether or not it was the good um, decision or not. Uh, let's not be on the sideline. And, and that's my advice for anyone who's listening. Don't be, God has given you, personally, individually, a task to do, a call uh, and a ministry to, to have and a gift to do it with, uh, do it whole, wholeheartedly. That's great. I thank you so much, Marcel, for coming along and, and chatting on the very first episode of this. And I think this is such a, this is a powerful message, one that we really can help with. We can do things. Prayer, is, you should never underestimate prayer. Prayer yeah. is, you know, a huge thing in itself and we can always do something. Yeah. We can. And, um, yeah, I, um, I'm going to um, put because there's some some YouTube clips and there's some information and things like that that I'm going to put um, on our Facebook site and our Instagram site and our Pinterest site so that you know you've got some further information you can find out more information or um, obviously Marcel has already talked about where um, to go and uh, yeah thank you for joining us today. Norris, I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's program, feel free to share it with your friends and family. For more stories or to keep up to date with our events and community, you can also visit our website at hisherd.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Pinterest. Have a joyful day.